It's night in the big city. The last deal has gone down. The city lights reflect off the Burnett River. This is Theme Time Radio Hour with your host, Bob Dylan. Welcome back to Theme Time Radio Hour. If you were listening last week, and if you weren't, what the hell's wrong with you? But if you were listening last week, you know we started our look at cold hard cash. We had too many songs, so here we are back again. We had many emails about that show, and it's a good thing they liked it, because we don't offer any refunds. Money isn't everything, but it's way ahead of the competition. Samuel Butler once said, Friendship is like money, easier made than kept. And that's kind of the subject of our first song, Moon Mulligan was the king of the hillbilly piano players. He wrote campaign songs for Governor Jimmy Davis of Louisiana and Governor Fred Clement of Tennessee. Many people think he was an uncredited co-writer on Hank Williams' Jambalaya, and I can believe it because it has that bounce. Give a listen to Moon, along with the Blue Ridge Playboys, as he opines, give me my dime back, give me my money. was a numismatist. That's a coin collector. That's one of the oldest hobbies in the world. Emperor Augustus was fond of old and foreign kinds and gave them as gifts to his friends. During the 15th and 16th centuries, ancient coin collecting was the hobby of kings. Pantelet, a pen and teller, had a father. He was a prison guard and a coin collector. I forgot to ask him about it for our jail show, but I figured I'd ask him for our money show. Pen, what kind of coins did your dad collect? My dad retired from the jail when he was 50 and went into newsmatics uh, full-time. So his hobby became his uh, profession. And then he opened a coin shop and uh, and did coins for a living. And um, 
He only liked the American coins, but he was interested in counterfeit bills. And agents from the Treasury Department would come to our home, and they would show my dad a counterfeit bill and a real bill. He could always tell instantly the difference, and they would ask him how he would do it. And he would say, well, the, the counterfeit bills just aren't beautiful. I couldn't tell the difference. I didn't know what kind of beauty he was talking about. But man, he saw the beauty. Thanks, Pan. This is Theme Time Radio Hour, and we're taking it to the bank. I want to give a shout out right now to Clayton Fieldview, who's playing the drums on this next number. James Brown always said, give the drummer some. So James, I'm taking your advice. Clayton, this one's for you. James Brown, and I've got money. I've got money. James Brown, and I've got money. I'm kind of embarrassed. I finished last week's show, and my engineer, Tex Bone, caught me in the parking lot. He said, do you realize you promised to tell people about the double eagle, and you never did? Well, Tex was right. But luckily, we're doing another money show, and I get to tell you about him. It's an amazing story. The 1907 double eagle. It's the most expensive coin in the world. The double eagle started in 1850. It was a gold piece made from ore from the California gold rush. It was discontinued in 1933 when FDR took the country off the gold standard during the Depression because people were hoarding gold. The financial system was undermined and it was forbidden for gold coins to be in circulation. But get this, no one told the U.S. Mint to stop making them. They produced 445,000 of the $20 double eagle coins but never put them into circulation. Now they were stockpiled and destroyed but it turned out 10 of them were missing. The Secret Service found out that George McCann, the Mint's chief cashier, had stolen 10 coins. One by one, the Treasury Department recovered them, except for one. In 1944, the agents for Egypt's King Farouk tried to get an export license for the 1933 Gold Double Eagle. It was illegal to own and had clearly been stolen, but the political climate was so charged they didn't want to try to retrieve it. In 1954, two years before Farouk was overthrown, the coin turned up in Cairo as part of an auction. The U.S. stepped in, and the coin was quickly withdrawn, and the authorities lost track of it for more than 45 years. It turned up again in 96, when a British coin dealer brought it to New York to try to sell it. Federal agents, posing as coin collectors, seized it in a sting operation. 
The crane itself was stored in what authorities thought was a secure location, a vault at the World Trade Center. Just a few weeks before 9-11, the coin disappeared. On July 30th, 2002, the government decided it was all right for the coin to be privately owned. Sotheby's sold the $20 gold piece for $7,590,020, making it the most valuable coin in the world. I bet you Penn's father would have wanted one of those. Out of the simple barter of primitive people, spearheads became one of the first articles used as money. Shells have also served as money. Wampum was used by the American Indians. And hundreds of other articles have been money to various people at various times. But none of these met all the requirements of good money. Our next song was originally a Mento's song. Mento was the Jamaican music of the 50s. And if you're a fan of Mento music, you might want to listen to the radio show of Dr. Demento, playing exclusively this kind of music. Mento music had been in Jamaica since at least the 19th century. And in it, you can hear the roots of ska, rocksteady, and even reggae, as well as calypso. This is actually a ska version, recorded by a session trumpet player, Don Jamaica Way. His name was Eric Monty Morris, and he's performing with the Baba Books Band. And they're going to tell you all about the penny reel. by Monty Morris, along with Baba Brooks. They say a penny won't buy you many things, but you used to be able to get something sweet. You don't see penny candy much anymore, but there used to be a world of choices. There were squirrel nut zippers, Mary Jeans, wax lips, liquor made, little nips, button candy, candy necklaces, salt water taffy, root beer barrels, candy cigarettes, atomic fireballs, chicka sticks, red hots, and pixie sticks. My first girlfriend was named Pixie Stick. I wonder what happened to old Pixie. Good evening and welcome to the money program. Tonight on the money program, we're going to look at money. Lots of it on film and in the studio. Some of it in nice piles, others in lovely clanky bits of loose change. Some of it neatly counted into fat little hundreds, delicate fibers stuffed into bulging wallets, nice crisp clean checks. Pert pieces of copper coinage thrust deep into trouser pockets. Romantic foreign money rolling against the thigh with rough familiarity. Beautiful wayward curlicued banknotes. Filigree copper grating cheek by jowl with tumbling hexagonal milled edges. Growing gently against the terse leather of beautifully balanced bank books. 
<laughs> Sorry. This is Theme Time Radio Hour. We're talking about money. Let's go to the phones. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hi, Bob. Hello to you. Where are you calling from? Carbondale, Illinois. And what's your name? Carol Clark. Well, Carol, what can I do for you? Well, I heard last week's money show, and I really enjoyed it. Hey, thanks a lot. We work hard on them. It shows. I heard you were doing another one this week, and I was wondering if I could make a request. Sure. What do you want to hear? Can you play the Beatles song, Money Can Buy Me Love? Carol, I think it's Money Can't Buy Me Love. No, no, it's Can't Buy Me Love. I used to have the record, I know. Look, Carol, it's Money Can't Buy Me Love. I know you're Mr. 60s, but I have the record. It's Can Buy Me Love. All right, Carol, we'll look for it. Keep listening. Thanks, Bob. <sighs> you can't help some people. Well, Carol, if you're still listening, money cannot buy you happiness, but it can give you more places to look. We're still looking for that song. But in the meantime, let's listen to one by the Drifters. Seems like every time we play the Drifters, there's another guy singing lead. But here's one everyone remembers. He kind of laid the groundwork for guys like Smokey Robinson, Ben E. King, who sang lead in the Drifters after him, Jackie Wilson, who replaced him in the Dominoes, Michael Bublé, Carlo Ponte, and let's not forget Josh Groban. Another guy he influenced was Aaron Neville. And Aaron said, anything Clyde McFadden sings is a prayer. When I was growing up, I don't care what else is going on in the world. Jim Crow, all the other stuff. You could put on Clyde McFadden and it would all disappear. So this one's for you, Aaron. Clyde McFadden and the Drifters. Money high. and Money Honey, written by Charles Calhoun, which was a pseudonym for Jesse Stone, who also wrote Your Cash Ain't Nothing But Trash that we heard last week. He must have had money on the brain. While we're spending a lot of time talking about money, why don't we just take a second and talk about honey? 
the Egyptian pharaohs, the early Greeks, the Romans, everybody loved honey. Greeks called it the food of the gods. It's been used as a medium of exchange and a rare taste treat. Americans ate 400 million pounds of honey last year. It's 80% sugar, 20% water. It's been used as a topical dressing for wounds since microbes cannot live in it. It also produces hydrogen peroxide. It's been used to embalm bodies such as Alexander the Great. The Norse had a practice of consuming large quantities of mead, which is fermented honey, during the first month of a marriage. This is where we get the term honeymoon. Honeybees are the only insects that produce food for humans, except for the sandwich-making ants of Peru. A bee makes less than one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in its lifetime. Lately, there's been a lot of stories of the bees disappearing. I hope it's not true, because as Albert Einstein once said, if the bees die off, man would only have four years left to live. Next up is a song called Looking for Money. I had kind of a coin toss in this one. I have two different versions of this song. One by the guy who wrote it, Al Urban, who was kind of a Texas honky-tonk guy, recorded for the D-label. And the other one by kind of a rockabilly group called Johnny Dove and the Magnolia Playboys. Well, I'm a sucker for a good name. So step into the spotlight, Johnny Dove and the Magnolia Playboys. Here they are. They're looking for money. Sorry, Al. That was Johnny Dove and the Magnolia Playboys on the Dove record label, looking for money. A lot of people go looking for money. They look for buried treasure. You might think all the pirates had buried treasure, but in reality, only one has been known to bury his booty, and that's William Kidd, who buried some of his wealth on Long Island before sailing into New York. I think he did it in Massapequa. He buried his booty. I think that's a rap song. Some of the most famous buried treasure was in the last Dutchman's gold mine. This was supposedly a very rich gold mine hidden in the Superstition Mountains near Apache Junction, Arizona. It's based on a story of a Deutschman who found the gold mine but was killed before he could extract it. Empty pockets never held anyone back. Only empty heads and empty hearts can do that. That was Norman Vincent Peale's opinion. Slim Harpo had a different take on the subject. He said, I need money. Keep your alibis. Here's the former James Moore, who got his nickname from his wife, who added the letter O to the end of the slang word for harmonica and came up with Slim Hoppo. Here's Accelerate Records artist. Well, you know who it is. I need money. Keep your alibis.
then you've lost your friend Now here you come back to me with that same old again But I need money Keep your alibis Well, I'm tired of your excuses And I don't want yet no more lies Play for me now Slim Harpo, tired of excuses, don't want to hear no more lies, telling you that he needs money. He's not the only one. During the time of the New Testament, Jerusalem was under Roman occupation and Roman money was in common use. Money changers were allowed to set up tables and benches in the court where they exchanged not just local Roman money, but also foreign currency. There were also peddlers who sold animals, birds, and various items for worship and sacrifice. These money changers profited greatly from the exchange rates they charged worshippers and also profited when they converted it back to the priests for Roman money. They were dipping their beak at both ends. It was the sight of this temple market that triggered the only time that Jesus reacted with violence in the Bible. According to Mark chapter 11 verse 17, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he taught and said to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. By the way, the English word bank is derived from the word bench, like the benches the money changers set up in the temple. Let's go down the park and move the banks around. The bench of the river. Make friends, make friends, make friends with Westminster. Westminster Bank is the place you should go. A lot of people think the Everly Brothers were done when they left Cadence Records. They didn't have as many hits, but they recorded some of my favorite songs. Here's one from an album they did in 1965 called Beaten Soul. This is the only original on that album. Don and Phil wrote it, and it didn't make much noise in the States. But you know, in the mid-60s, there were still big stars overseas. Even a song as obscure as this was covered by one of the British beat groups. The Who did it in 1966. If I was stick with the Everly Brothers... Here's Dunn and Phil, and Man with Money. She wants a man with lots of money. And I'm a poor boy. He buys a thing, she calls him honey. She calls me poor boy. What good does it do to give her love, pure and true? When any fool would understand, she thanks Down the street, I know a place. When they're asleep, I'll cover my face. I'll break the lock, open the door. I'll slip inside. 
That was the Everly Brothers here on Theme Time Radio Hour, our second cash cow. And one mysterious man with money was D.B. Cooper. In 1971, he hijacked a plane, threatening to blow it up unless he got $200,000. Well, he got the money. I'm not sure how. But once he got it, he leapt from the airplane somewhere over the Cascade Mountains with 21 pounds of $20 bills strapped to his chest. He was never seen again, dead or alive. No one even knows his real name, because D.B. Cooper was a fake. It was not your average crime. Nobody was hurt, and it was never solved by the FBI. But it did cause greater security measures to be taken, including passenger screening and metal detectors at airports. And all Boeing 727s got fitted with a device known as the Cooper Vane, which stopped the rear stairway from being lowered during a flight, which is how Cooper escaped. This was a long time ago, in the early 70s, before we were so frightened of terrorism. As a matter of fact, a lot of people thought D.B. Cooper was a hero. They thought his antisocial behavior was cut from the same cloth as the hippies. They liked that he was able to tweak J. Edgar Hoover's nose and finagle the back of Luke for big business. He was Robin Hood in a tie-dyed world. But did he get away with it? No one knows for sure, though some scientists have replicated his leap with complete success. Recently, some clues have turned up. Back in 1980, they found some of the money on the banks of the Columbia River. The serial numbers matched. Around that time, they found a placard from the plane. And in 2007, the FBI said it now had a partial DNA profile of D.V. Cooper from the next time he left on the hijacked plane. I got 20 bucks that says they never find him. Last week, Van Marsden told us about blue money. This week, Elvis Costello tells us about clean money. Songs like this are real handy for disc jockeys because they're only like two minutes long and sometimes you need those short songs to fill out the hour. But there's more good about it than just that. Here, give it a listen. Here's Clean Money. Costello and the attractions. If you want clean money, I mean really clean money, you're probably thinking about money laundering. That's the act of making money that comes from source A look like it comes from source B. Now this can be handy if the money from source A comes from some sort of criminal activity like drug running, gun sales, prostitution, computer fraud, or embezzlement. There's three basic steps. Placement, this is where the guy laundering the money inserts it into a legitimate financial institution. There's layering, which is sending the money through various financial transactions to change its form and make it difficult to follow. You might use a bank-to-bank transfer or a wire transfer. You might have different accounts in different names in different countries. You might purchase high-value items like houses, cars, and diamonds. There's integration. Here the money re-enters the mainstream in a legitimate-looking form. This may involve a final bank transfer into the account of a local business in which the launderer is so-called investing. 
in exchange for a cut of the profits. Or it could be the sale of a large item which was bought during the layering stage. Or it could even be the purchase of a $10 million screwdriver from a company owned by the launderer. Now once you go through these three steps, you can use the money without getting caught. Because once it's integrated, there's no more paper trail. It might sound easy, but in 2001, U.S. prosecutors obtained almost 900 money laundering convictions with an average prison sentence of six years. So ask yourself, is it worth it? A lot of people don't realize it, but there still is a chitlin circuit. Small clubs in black neighborhoods that cater to the local clientele. You may not have even heard of some of these artists, but they can sell millions of records. Johnny Taylor had a very loyal audience up until when he passed away in 2000. A lot of people lost track of him after his hit Disco Lady, but not the folks on the Chitlin circuit. They kept buying his records, and this one sold over a million copies. Here's Johnny Taylor. Last two dollars. Lady at the casino She lost all her money She said don't feel sorry for me No Don't feel sorry honey But if you wanna do a lady a favor Here's what I want you to do Until the next time I see you <laughs> But these last two dollars That I wouldn't be over here My man had been treating me right I came here to try to catch him yeah. Cause he'd been sneaking around every night But I got caught up over here Johnny Taylor and last two dollars. A lot of people think that the two dollar bill is no longer available, but it is. They don't produce a lot of them. The last time they printed new ones was 2005. About one percent of all notes printed are two dollar bills, but they're very handy. Some strip joints will give two dollar bills as change so that you'll tip the girls more money. 
racetracks keep a lot of $2 bills on hand because that's the size of the most frequently placed bet. If you're not inside, you are outside, okay? And I'm not talking about some $400,000 a year working Wall Street stiff, flying first class and being comfortable. I'm talking about liquid. Rich enough to have your own jet. Rich enough not to waste time. 50, $100 million, buddy. A player. If you looked on the label of this next record, you see the name Donnie Young. But there is no Donnie Young. It was a pseudonym for Donald Eugene Lytale. You might know him better as Danny Paycheck. Johnny used the name Donnie Young before he settled on his monetary nickname. We've talked about Johnny before. What an outlaw he is, all of his legal problems. I don't know if I told you that in 1985, he was convicted of shooting a man and spent two years in prison. But this was back way before that when he was Donnie Young in a song called Down to My Last Dime. I've gone through two small fortunes And I'm not happy yet The first I spent to win your love The last one to forget One fortune bought you riches And the other bought me wine Now you're gone, you're with you But you're still not here to love me And I'm down to my last time There's an image of a rich man In the mirror on my wall Rich man turned to pauper And your cold heart caused it all I gave wealth to make you happy Gave my all to make you mine Both love and money failed me Now I'm down to my last dime Should I put it in the jukebox And play one more lonely song Or save it for the telephone And see But you're still not here to love me And I'm down to my last dime That was Donnie Young, I mean Johnny Paycheck, and down to my last dime. Well, if you're down to your last dime, you might as well know a little bit about it. The word dime comes from the French word dime, meaning tithe, or tenth part. FDR is featured on one side of the current design, while a torch, an oak branch, and an olive branch, covering the motto, E Pluribus Unum, are featured on the other. There's no actual value stated, it just says one dime. The first minting of a dime was in 1792. It's 0.705 of an inch wide. And up until 1965, it was roughly 90% silver and 10% copper. But nowadays, you're going to have to settle for 75% copper and 25% nickel. The thing that Carol said is still gnawing at me. I mean, I've heard lots of songs that say money can't buy you happiness, and I've never heard one that says that it can. Well, here's another song. This was 1944. A guy named Tiny Grimes, who actually once told me that money isn't the key to happiness, but if you have enough, you can have a key made. Well, he recorded this song back in 44, and it's all about how money is the important social lubricant in the world of romance. Listen to this. And not only is it a great song, but it's got Charlie Parker on it. On the Savoy record label, here's Tiny Grimes and Romance Without Finance. It's a nuisance. 
Romance without finance just don't make sense. But definitely. Baby, you know I need me some gold. Romance without finance is a nuisance. It sure don't. You know I need me some gold. You so great and you so fine. You ain't got no money, you can't be mine. It ain't no joke to be stone broken, baby. You know I ain't lying when I say romance without finance is a nuisance. You're not kidding, brother. You know I need me some gold. Without finance is a nuisance. Oh, but it is. Baby, you know I must have some gold. Romance without finance just don't make sense. No kind of way. Mama, you know I must have me some gold. You so great and you so fine. You ain't got no money, you can't be mine. It ain't no joke to be stone broke. You know I ain't lying when I say romance without finance is a nuisance. It's a drag. That was Tiny Grimes, who, by the way, played a four-string guitar. He bought it in a Harlem pawn shop for the sum of $5, and he kept playing it. People kept asking him why he played a four-string guitar instead of the usual six. He would always tell them, because I couldn't afford the other two strings. A straight shooter. Tiny Grimes. I'm looking over this list of the richest people in the world. A lot of names you know, some you don't. Did you know that Ingvar Kamprid is worth $33 billion? And you wonder who he is. He's the mastermind behind Ikea. That's a lot of Swedish meatballs. You saw those people. Feel they're a couple of squares, huh? To me, they're just the beginning. To me, they're Mr. and Mrs. America. I wasn't sure before, but now I know they're going for it. They'll eat it up. The story and the hamburgers. You'll sell all your hamburgers, hot dogs, soda pop, and all your Navajo rugs. There's going to be real dough in that cash register by tonight. We played an early record by our next artist on our smoking show. But this week, we're going to play one of their biggest hits. The OJs were one of the flagship artists of the Philly soul scene and took their name in tribute to a radio disc jockey named Eddie OJ. They hooked up with Gamblin' Huff in 1963 and had no shortage of hits, including Love Train, Living for the Weekend, Backstabbers, and Used to Be My Girl. And it's hard to believe that they are 10 R&B number ones, and this was not one of them. It only got as high as number three. Should have been number one. I always liked the way Ronnie Baker placed bass on this record. Here are the OJs, for the love of money, number one in my book. Thank you. 
for the love of money. One type of person that loves money is a miser. That's someone who's unwilling to spend money, even to the point of forgoing creature comforts. Comes from the Latin word miser, meaning poor, wretched, or miserable, as in the modern word miserable. Some famous misers in fiction are Ebenezer Balfour from Kidnapped, Milburn Drysdale, Fagin, Silas Mariner, Scrooge McDuck, Henry Potter from It's a Wonderful Life, and Ebenezer Scrooge. But perhaps the most famous real-life miser is one that the Guinness World Book of Records gave the award as world's greatest miser. That's not really an award you want to win, I think. Her name was Hetty Green, and she received an inheritance of nearly $10 million. Now, this was back in the 1860s. That's like $185 million today. She was known as the Witch of Wall Street. She was so repugnant that she had no friends and people avoided her. She wore a one old black dress and undergarments that she changed only after they'd been worn out. She once spent an entire night looking for a lost two cent stamp. She was remarkably cheap. Her son Ned once injured his knee. She refused to pay for a doctor and tried to treat him herself. It wouldn't heal, so she dressed her son in rags and pretended it was a charity case. The doctor found out who she was and demanded payment. Hedda Green left his office in a rage. Several years later, Ned's leg, which had never properly healed, had to be amputated. She lived on a diet of cold oatmeal because she was too stingy to heat it, but she died of a stroke during an argument with a maid over the virtues of skin milk. She died in 1916 and left behind $100 million. That's the equivalent to about $1.5 billion today. She was the wealthiest woman in the United States, but what good did it do her? Last week, we ended our show with a song by Jesse Price called You Can't Take It With You. 
I was happy with it because it seemed like a good sentiment to leave people with. I'm pretty lucky because I got another song with the same title. So I'm pretty well covered for our second show. They say you can't take it with you. I'm not even sure I have enough to get me there. Here's Johnny Guitar Watson and you can't take it with you. Johnny Guitar Watson, and he's telling you the truth. You can't take it with you. From 1954, Johnny was born in 1935 in Houston, Texas. He died in 1996 in Yokohama, Japan, circling the globe in the name of the blues. So that was Mrs. Lundegaard on the floor in there. And I guess that was your accomplice in the wood chipper. And for what? For a little bit of money. There's more to life than a little money, you know. Don't you know that? Well, that about wraps it up for this week. Well, Lord knows, I could easily do a third hour. Maybe I even play that one Carol wanted to hear. We spend so much time talking about money, I want to leave you with the words of someone who has a opposing opinion. He's a smart guy. He was smart about bees, relativity, and he's smart about this. I'm talking about Albert Einstein, and he said, I'm absolutely convinced that no wealth in the world can keep humanity forward, even in the hands of the most devoted worker. The example of great, pure individuals is the only thing that can lead us to noble thoughts and deeds. Money only appeals to selfishness and irresistibly invites abuse. Can anyone imagine Moses, Jesus, or Gandhi armed with the money bags of Carnegie? Are you listening, Cal? We'll see you next week with all new themes, dreams, and schemes. Thanks for listening to Theme Time Radio Hour with your host, Bob Dylan. Produced by Eddie Gorodetsky and the associate producer is Anita Fitzgerald. Continuity is by Eats Martin and the editor is Damian Rodriguez. The supervising editor is Rob McCumber. The research team is Diane Lapson and Bertie Bernstein with additional research courtesy of Lynn Sheridan, April Hayes, Kimberly Williams, Callie Glavin, Terrence Michael, Sean Patrick, and Matthew Bowser. Robert Bauer was the librarian and the production coordinator was Debbie Sweeney. 
Special thanks go out to Randy Azradi, Coco Shinomiya, Simpsons Diner, and Lee Abrams. Tex Carbone was our director of studio operations. It's recorded in Studio B of the historic Abernathy building. It's a great water park production in association with Big Red Tree. This is your announcer, Pierre Mancini, speaking. Be sure to be here next week when we take a look at night.